I thought last week I was done preaching. I run out of yellow pad in my little handy dandy leather thing in my Dodger here. And I thought for sure that meant I was it was over. But the good news, I, I found some more of these yellow pads so I can keep going, right? Right. I thought for sure it was the end of the line when you run out of paper. I have uh, spent <clears throat> a little bit of a crazy week. And I always like to let y'all in on the, on the inside stuff. I just think it kind of brings you to the reality that I'm human too. And the thunder rolls. Is it that fan? I think it is. It is. Yeah, I don't need a fan. Y'all act like it's hot. I don't need a fan. Y'all just spoil me and make me not want to go back to my regular job. So, last week I, I kind of mentioned to you and talked to you, um, emphasized the uh, homework that Brother Kevin's been sending out during the week and uh, the importance of that and the importance of being in God's Word um, and the importance of being able to decipher it ourselves and, and being able to be our faith and our hope solely in God and God alone, not depending on somebody else to get you there, not depending on somebody else and what they say, but being able to sit down with God's Word and hear from God yourself. So <clears throat> I've been in a little bit of a funk over my job over the last bit, and, and I, it got pointed out to me here a couple of weeks ago about the negativity that comes out of me about my job. I, I like what I do, and, and every place has its things, but I had gotten hung up on the negative, and my wife graciously pointed that out. So I spent the week praying about and looking into, and I decided no more negativity about my job. I ain't going to do that. So Wednesday, I decided what I decided was is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the positives. I'm going to find the things to be thankful for and quit letting the negativity overrun because we all know when, when all we think about is the negativity, all that comes out of us is the negativity, right? I don't want to be that guy. So Wednesday, I was on Shady Lane. Y'all know where Shady Lane is, right? Up on top of a hill, man, I pull up out of this bulldog. It's actually a track loader. Uh... Had to work on the air conditioner, and I pull up there, and it is just absolutely beautiful. Overcast, not terribly hot. They parked it under a shade tree for me, and I'm working on the air conditioner. And I'm thinking, see, there's so much to be thankful for in my job. So when I go to one like this, and I have to do the air conditioner work, I have to hook a machine to it that pulls a vacuum on it, and that takes anything from 15 to 30 minutes. And I can't touch it while it's doing that, while it's doing what it does. So I sat down in the, in the cab of my service truck, man, just enjoying the view. I get my phone out. I go to the, the message we got. I think it was Monday with the homework and start going over it. And, and, and I back up because I'd already been over it once. So I backed up and started reading through the scriptures ahead of it. And I go, man, this is my message for Sunday morning. And God's just speaking to me. And, and I mean, I'm enjoying the view and life is great. And I love my job again. And I mean, I'm just ecstatic, you know. And I get done, and I figure out the problem, and I have to order parts, so I go back to the shop, 
Well, my boss has another place for me to go that day, and me and... No, I went by myself. Went to check out, and this was in a place called Woodrow Station. My boss comes in there and goes, I bet you don't know where Woodrow Station is, do you? I said, I don't even know Woodrow, much less where his station's at. So he tells me where it's at, and it's another machine, and it didn't take long. I took some oil, and I come back to the shop. And I get back to the shop about 3, 4 o'clock, and I back my truck up in the shop to unload some supplies and oil and stuff that I had took with me. And I had the door blocked. And I'm thinking, man, I'm at, I'm at the shop. It's Wednesday. I'm going to get to go to church. I've, I've got this whole new outlook on life. And all of this positivity is falling out of me everywhere. And everybody around me is affected by it. And I mean, I just got it all figured out. So at 4.45, I pull my truck, start my service truck up and pull it out of the shop so we can shut the doors to go home so I can get a shire and get back to church on a Wednesday night. We go around, we shut all the doors, cut all the lights off, got everything shut down. I go out there and jump in my truck, hit the switch, nothing. Are you kidding me? I just started this stupid thing 15 minutes ago. Nothing. I cut the switch off, get out of the truck, and the starter starts spinning. Whee! Only a Ford. So I get my hammer, because that's the only tool you need to work on a Ford. I get my hammer, and I crawl under that thing, and I hit that starter, and it quit spinning, and one of my coworkers was still there. And I go, have you got time to run and get me a starter? I mean, because they're they done delivering, so... We call out there and make sure they got the starter. He goes and gets it. And by the time he gets back and I get it put on, I got home at 7 o'clock. The maddest one human being you've ever seen in your life. I went from how great God is to why are you punishing me. I went from all this positivity falling off of me to the people around me were almost dying from the sarcasm coming out of me. I was so mad I cut grass till 9 o'clock. I hate cutting grass. I was out there, I keep a pocket flashlight for my, I was out there on the lawnmower with a pocket flashlight cutting grass, gritting my teeth. Y'all ever been there? Y'all ever had that day, you ever had that time when it's all going your way, when everything seems to be in line and God's really working and you're just praising Him and praising Him and then one event and you go back to where you started. Y'all ever done that? That's my only one. See, the thing about this Christian walk is it's not just a daily battle. It's an all-day, everyday battle. Because what's inside of you is the same thing that's inside of me, and it's called self. And it's called flesh. And when flesh rears his head, that's where all the negativity and the sarcasm comes from. That's what makes me want to grit my teeth. But I had to stop Wednesday night and remind myself that my circumstances, my environment cannot have that much control over who I am. Amen? You too. Your circumstances, your environment cannot control who you are spiritually. It can't do it. Now, the good news is, told you all that to tell you this, during that 30-minute span while I was letting that machine run, I did some studying. And I started with what Kevin had sent out from Ephesians and I backed up a little bit and we're going to talk about that this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. 
And you and I are going to start reading in chapter uh, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 17. And we'll just see how far we get. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, start in verse 17. My Bible has a heading in it, which this man, you know, somebody put that in there, but my heading says the new life. The new life. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning again to say thank you for this day of life to say thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be gathered together to study your word. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us through your word. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive the message that you have for us this morning. I pray, Father, for you to guide us through this in a manner that we take from it everything that we need to become closer to the image of your glory that you desire for us to be. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start at the bottom instead of at the top. I want you to see our end goal. Go down to verse 22. The end of 21, it says, And we're taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And here's the truth. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed. You are taught through Jesus to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. And the new self was created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now go back to the top in verse 17. This I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Not you shouldn't walk. Not you ought not to walk. You must not walk as the Gentiles do. You can't. As Christians, although we came into this thing as Gentiles, now we're children of God. Right? We were called into the light out of the darkness to no longer walk in the dark. To not have those relapses like I've had. 
to not allow the old self to rise up. Listen to me. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And this isn't just a quick reference to the Gentiles. Most likely, the author is talking to a group of people who were Gentiles, just like you and I, in other words, not Jewish, and were brought into the fold, who became Christians, followers of Christ, through salvation, through Christ. Listen to me. Through their faith. So he's talking to these people and going, you no longer walk. You must not. You cannot walk like you used to walk. You can't act like the Gentiles. But listen, he gets specific. He just don't throw it out there as a generic phrase. He didn't just put it out there and say, no longer walk as the Gentiles. He gives us specific things that he's talking about and what it is that's so bad about the way that the Gentiles walk that we shouldn't copy it. Our, our, our theme over the last few weeks has been keeping the things in the world out of the church. Not allowing the things of the world to creep into us. To become a part of the way we live and what we do. Look at this. You can no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And he's very specific. Look at here. In the futility of their minds. What is futility? Well, I've done you the honor of looking that up. Uselessness. Uselessness. They walk in the uselessness of their minds. In other words, they have no understanding. They're depending on the things of this world. They're chasing after different philosophies. They're chasing after things that are unattainable, that you can't capture. They're living by the standard that the world has set. You can't walk that way. You can no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Your mindset has to be different. The way you carry yourself has to be different. The most dangerous thing in this world is for the church to look like the rest of the world. There ought to be a difference in us and them and the way we respond to things and the way we look at things and the way we carry ourselves and the way our environment affects us. There's never an excuse for your preacher, Brother Nick, to get so bent out of shape because a truck won't start. I can tell you all of that was fueled by the last three weeks. That's what I feel like I've done is work on that stinking ragged truck. Every time I get back from a place or every time I get ready to leave, I've got the hood up. And I was aggravated. Still no excuse. I'm not supposed to walk in the uselessness, uselessness of my mind. In other words, the things of this world should have no impact on my attitude. Attitude's very important. Choose a great one. We've got to stop being impacted by the things that are going on around us in our spiritual life. Now, I know I ain't perfected it, and I ain't so down on myself. I recovered pretty quick. By the time I woke up Thursday morning, I was over it, and the grass was cut, so I was happy. Right? Right. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, the uselessness of their minds. In other words, me and you cannot depend on our understanding. 
We can't take on that that um, that image that the world has set forth as wisdom. Look here. here. He keeps going though in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. In the uselessness of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. In other words, they don't have a clear understanding. You and I have been there. We know what that's like. But that's supposed to be former self. Where on earth am I going to get a useful understanding? If, 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 if the world's understanding is darkened, where am I going to get a clear understanding? See, there's not but one source of that. And that's God's Word. That's the Bible. That's where our understanding has to come from. Listen, if we're taking anything else, then it's dark. If we're taking anything else, then it's not clear. Keep going. We're going somewhere. Alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance, because of the ignorance that is in them. Again, ignorance is not stupidity or dumbness. It's lack of understanding. That's where ignorant. There are plenty of subjects that you and I can talk about that I'm ignorant on. Trust me, a lot of subjects that I don't have understanding in. But there are other things that I'm very familiar with. Therefore, I'm not ignorant on that subject because I have an understanding. Those subjects are limited. <laughs> Choose wisely if you want to have a, a, a non-ignorant conversation with me. Why do you find that so funny, Bobby? Stop. He's bouncing. He's laughing so hard. Listen. Because of the ignorance that is in them, and where does it come from? Due to their hardness of heart. Now remember, they've alienated a life with God. The life of God. Because of this ignorance and due to this hardness of heart. I don't know about you, but I don't look forward to a life separated from God. I don't have a chance. I won't make it. So why do people choose that? It's because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. He goes on to say, their heart is so hardened, they have become calloused. Do y'all know what it means to have a callus? I remember, I remember Amanda decided to start playing guitar. And she would complain about how bad it hurt to push those strings. It would hurt the tips of her fingers. And her, the person that was teaching her told her, when you get your calluses built up, you won't feel it anymore. A callus causes a place that is so hard that you can't even have feeling in it. A lot of people have calluses in their hands. Some people, the ones that still work for a living, have calluses. 
y'all are killing me. I'm up here being as funny as I know how to be, and y'all ain't even smiling, y'all killing me. I mean, I'm giving you my best. Come on. Give me a giggle. People get calluses. Y'all know what calluses are, right? Well, that same kind of callus has formed on their hearts to the point that nothing can pierce it. They have no feeling in it. And it's all due to ignorance or lack of understanding. And the only understanding that keeps us from getting to that place comes from God Himself through Scripture. We don't understand how important it is as Christians to spend time in God's Word. And when we don't, we ain't far from being ignorant. We ain't far from having a darkened understanding. Listen, when we don't study it for ourselves, when we don't learn it for ourselves, we can be dragged around by any teaching that comes through. We're an easy target when we don't have an understanding that comes from us spending time in the Word of God. This is the third week in a row I've been able to find a place in Scripture that tells us the importance of knowledge and understanding that we gain from time in God's Word. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. Over and over and over we're told in God's Word the importance of God's Word, having an understanding that isn't based on the things of this world. The reason we're so easily disrupted in our spiritual walk is because of our lack of understanding, our ignorance. And the reason that ignorance is there is because we don't take seriously the importance of knowing and understanding God's Word. It's how He speaks to us. Now, can God speak to us in other ways? Yes. Can God speak to me, to you through me? Yeah. But here's how you know if God's speaking to you. If you get a, an, an idea that God has spoken to you through whatever means you want to dream up, go look and see if it lines up here. Because if I tell you something and you go, but God spoke to me through Brother Nick, and you go here and find out that I'm, what I said is contrary to this, that wasn't God. God's not going to ask you, tell you, or command you to do something that's contrary to what He's already said. And what He's already said is written down. So the best place for God to speak to me, for God to speak to you, is when we're sitting in front of His Word. When, when we're reading His Word, when we're, thank you, sir, I appreciate that. When we are studying His Word. Keep going. I ain't done. Look at here. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Do we as, as people wake up in the morning and go, I think I'll sin today? Do we, do we go out and say, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll go and find something to disappoint God and do that. Do we, is that the way we think? 
But do we do those things? Yeah. You know why? Because of our ignorance. Selfish desires. When you're not feeding the Spirit, you're feeding the flesh. This is a battle that takes place inside of every Christian and it's ongoing daily, throughout the day. It's more than a one decision thing. This is an event that's constantly taking place and if we're not feeding the Spirit, the flesh is winning. And the flesh will eat anything. He'll feed off of anything. Over and over. Day in and day out. Keep going. Look at here. <clears throat> but that is not the way you learned Christ. And I don't know about yours, but my Bible has an exclamation point after that. That is not the way you learned Christ. This hardness of heart, this calloused heart, this lack of understanding, this ignorance, this darkened understanding is not the way you learned Christ. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in this dark understanding, in this ignorance. You can't do that anymore. And the sooner we figure that out, the better off we'll all be. Because as Christians, it's what God... Listen, God doesn't look down and get surprised by what this world is doing. He's not even disappointed that they don't know how to act. You know why? Because they don't know how to act. But He's disappointed when He looks down and the church looks just like the rest of the world. That's God's disappointment. He's disappointed when those of us that claim to be His children act just like the rest of the world. And it's due to a lack of understanding. It's due to an ignorance because we have failed to spend time in God's Word. Just like you don't wake up and say, I think I'll sin and disappoint God today, do you think false teachers intentionally lead people astray? The majority of them don't. The majority of them don't know they're false teachers. They believe in what they're teaching. But listen to me. You can be passionately wrong. Me screaming and hollering and jumping up and down and running the pews don't make it right. I can still be wrong. Right? But if you have a solid foundation and understanding of God's Word, it's so much harder to mislead you. So much harder to mislead you. Because you have an understanding that you gain from God Himself by spending time in His Word and allowing Him to speak to you. Look at this. This is not what you this this way of this former way of life was not what you learned in Christ. Keep going. Look. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So if you haven't learned Christ, 
there's no surprise that you act like the Gentiles. Right? But if you have learned Christ, the truth is in Him, and this ain't what you learned, this darkness. Right? This, this misunderstanding, this false understanding, this darkened understanding, this halfway culture of Christianity is not what you've learned in Christ. Listen, prosperity is not taught in the gospel. Not prosperity in this world. Your best life is not now. Your best life is standing in the presence of Jesus for eternity. It don't get no better than that. That's our best life. That's what we're trying to achieve. There are, there's nothing in Scripture that says if you have enough faith, you'll be rich. It don't say that. There's no guarantees of that anywhere in this gospel. This Today's cultural Christianity, that this do the parts I like and the feel-goodisms of it, don't exist. In this gospel, you're told if you follow Christ, it's a hard road to hoe. That's the truth of the gospel. It's tough. It's hard. Matter of fact, some days it plumb stinks to try to follow it. Some days it's because it's so much easier to just do what comes natural to you. You don't have to fight against nothing. Just like when I throwed my little hissy fit and cut grass till 9 o'clock. I didn't have to overcome anything to do that. I just went with what I was feeling. And it was stupid. It was ignorance. But in order to continually be a Christian and continually walk in a way that is pleasing to God, it's going to take effort and it's going to be hard. And some days you're just going to stomp your feet and say it ain't fair. Nobody said it was going to be fair. But what they did say is it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And the quicker we gain the understanding that there is no there is no prosperity in the gospel, there's no promises of riches in the gospel. There's no pro- listen, God doesn't say come follow Christ and never suffer again. No, he says the opposite of that. Come follow Christ and learn how to suffer while you give glory to God. Right? So you've got to have that understanding because listen, if I come in here and teach and preach and teach and preach and tell you that as long as you have enough faith, God's going to give you whatever you want. What happens when you don't get what you want? You quit. You know why? Because you was giving it all you had and it wasn't enough. What's the use? But see, the reality is this ain't got nothing to do with you. This ain't about who you are and what you can do. It's about who God is and what He can do. And you got to be dependent on Him. And the quicker you figure that out, the further you'll get in this gospel. I promise you. But listen, it's not osmosis. You can't go home and put it under your pillow. You're going to have to get it out and read it. You're going to have to shake the dust off them pages and spend some time earnestly seeking God's face. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now is as good a time as any to get started because there's more available to you right now than it's ever been. Everybody in here with a phone has no excuse. I left my Bible at home. Right? I, do, I use mine every day. When I get an opportunity at work, that's, that's what, when I told you earlier I was reading that, that's what, I was using an app on my phone. There's no excuse. It, it's, it's at your fingertips all the time. And instead of turning it on and playing the little whatever game is the going thing 
a tune blast or cartoon whatever or, or break them out or shoot them out or whatever. Instead, just flip over there to the, to the out. Listen, you can thumb through the pages of, of the gospel and gain something or you can waste all your time thumbing through Facebook and just getting mad at everybody. It's the same thumbing process, right? You just got to choose you want to get something out of it. You can still get your exercise. I get mine, I know. I ain't just talking to you. I get it too. But listen, you can use that time to really get something that changes your life. Look at this. This is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Listen to this. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. Your old ways are corrupt. My old ways, my old self is corrupt. And it's corrupted through something that happens in every one of us the day we come to life. The sinfulness that was born into us because of Adam. It's not because you're an evil person. It's not because you're some kind of uh, uh, oddity. Every one of us was born into this sinful world and we were born into it as a sinner. But that's your former self. Quit letting that be a crutch. Well, I was born this way. Yeah, but you ain't expected to stay this way. Let that crap go. Let that junk go. Turn it loose. Don't dwell on it. Don't be so accepting to it coming back. That's your former self. That's who you used to be. That's not who you are now. The gospel change. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to have a true encounter with Jesus and stay the same. You're going to be changed when you honestly, earnestly have an encounter with Christ. In other words, when Christ moves into your world. So put the change on display. Put away the former things. Put on the new. Look at this. This new is so much better. And he tells us why. Verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That, that's, a, that's a message in and of itself. It, the power that our minds have over us. Just like we don't understand the importance of Scripture, we don't understand how powerful your mind is. Listen, as a Christian, Satan does not have access to your heart anymore. But he still has access to your mind. He can whisper and whisper and whisper and tell you and tell you and tell you. And if he tells you enough times and you keep accepting it, you'll start to believe it. Your mind has to be renewed. You have to be constantly paying attention to where your thoughts go in certain situations. And if they go back to the worldly things, if they go back to the things of your former self, then you've got work to do, more work to do. And I can assure you, I've got work to do. 
I've got to I've got to learn how to capture those thoughts and hopefully prayerfully they remain just thoughts. Then I can get to a point where I, they don't even become they're not thoughts anymore. But if they're, they're thoughts, they become actions. That's former self. We're looking for the new self, and here's why. Uh, we started with it. Here's why. This is the whole purpose. Put on the new self. Look at this new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Your new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So if that's true, if you've put on the new self, what part of your new self looks like the rest of the world that don't have a new self? If your new self is created in the likeness of God and your old self, which is the things of the world, is born into sin, what part of new self looks like old self? What part of new self acts like old self? Now there's a big difference in righteousness and holiness and the sinfulness we were born into. It's a big old gap. It don't look nothing like it. There's no similarities between sinfulness, which is our former self, and righteousness and holiness. There's no similarities. And that's what he's just told us. That our old self, you can no longer walk the way the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, the uselessness of their mind, their darkened understanding, their hardened hearts, even to the point of callous heart. Instead, you got to put, that's all former stuff. That's all former self. You got to put that aside and put on the new self. And the new self was created in Christ in the likeness of God in holiness and righteousness. So that tells me you and I as Christians, as followers of Christ, should not have so much similarity to who we used to be. And if I do, and I did, just this week, I told you the story. And that's exactly how I used to act. That's exactly the person I was. Fly off the handle mad, start tying together four-letter words, making them 24-letter words, right? Throw stuff, scatter stuff. That's who I was. But that's the old self. So my new self can't look too much like my old self because old self was straight up sinfulness. New self is supposed to be created in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. There shouldn't be similarities. So that tells me I've got work to do. I've still got some understanding to gain. There's still some darkness that's got to be weeded out. The problem isn't that you realize you ain't perfect. The problem is when you realize you ain't perfect and choose not to do anything about it. That's where the problem's at. That's where the danger's at. That's the reality of Christianity. 
you're going to find that you still have similarities to old self after you've been instructed to put on new self. And that's okay. Get to work at it. The problem is when you recognize it and you see it and go, oh well, that's just how I was created. Yeah, but you were created in sin. Right? You were born into sin. He didn't bring you into this world in sin to leave you there. He found a way to close the gap between sinfulness and righteousness. So what are we doing? Which one do I resemble the most? The old self or the new self? And where I find issues and where I see old self, what am I doing about it? And if the answer is nothing, there's the problem. Before you know it, we'll look just like, we'll walk just like the Gentiles do in the uselessness of our minds with a darkened understanding. And who knows, one day you may even have a heart that's so hardened it's become callous. Don't have to be that way. You have an option. You have a choice. But it ain't going to come from I want it, I want it, I want it. It's going to come from effort. It's going to come from time in God's Word. It's going to come from understanding that comes from time in God's Word. It's going to come from following God's desires and God's wills over selfish desires and selfish wills. And guess where that knowledge comes from? That world out there without Christ is hopeless. We don't need that in God's church. Can't have it. So we got to no longer walk. You must listen to the instruction. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. This isn't an option. This isn't a you shouldn't. You must no longer resemble so much of the old self. You've got to put on, listen, put on the new self. Put on, it's a physical act. That means it's going to require something of you. And no, it's not show up and sit in a seat. You'd be surprised how many Christians, people that claim Christianity, don't read their Bible on a regular basis. Hey, if you're in that category, change. Put it on. Put it on. He's given you everything you need to be exactly what you've been called to be. You just got to get in there and dig it out. Put it on. Put on the new self. Put on the new self. Dale, where you at? Dale, yeah, there's Leanne, Dale. They're going to come up here and sing another uh, song or two, um, whatever they have uh, planned. <clears throat> I'm going to encourage you to respond however God's called you to respond this morning. If, if God spoke to you, you know that. I encourage you to, to follow His instruction. I encourage you to really self-evaluate to really look at self and first of all decide do you really have a, a relationship with God your maker through Christ and if not today would be a great day for that to take place for you 
a great day. But if you do, what does it look like? Does it look the same as it's looked for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 60 years? Or is there a progression taking place where you can see a difference in the way you act and respond versus the way you used to? In other words, do you have a new self? And if so, how much of the old self is still left in because it ain't supposed to be none? The old self is, is sinfulness. The new self is righteousness and holiness and the likeness of God. They shouldn't look similar. And if you see those similarities, ask God to point them out to you and instruct you in what to do. And don't just ask Him and stand out there in the sun with your arms stretched out hoping He's going to read it to you. Once you ask for that, you've got to go pick up His Word and search it out. 